0: Alright, so uh, during my lunch break the other day, I'm talking with my friend. Uh, We both go to the same church and we work together. Uh, And we talk about this age-old statement. Money can't buy happiness. My friend disagrees. Yes, it can, he says. He starts listing reasons. Look, if I want something, I could buy it. If I want many of those things, I could buy all of them. If I want to travel somewhere, I can go there, no problem. I'm sure most people and most of us are like him. Uh, He was saying that he enjoys those things and when he uses money for them, he feels good. Uh, Thankfully, my friend didn't just continue to be controversial and disagree with the statement, and he explained that the happiness is very short-lived. You buy those things, you go to places, and after a while, Just back to the regular rigors of life. And uh, your feelings of happiness, elation, uh, they're just replaced with the mundane. See, he says it's not actually happiness that people are really after. When people talk about money being unable to buy happiness, he says people think it can't because they're actually after joy. Joy itself is often seen as something rather similar to happiness. Both are positive feelings. They're not exactly the same. I'll get to a definition later on, but because they're slightly different, we need to look at them slightly differently. There are heaps of things that make me happy, for example. Uh, good food, uh, good movie, Um, Australia doing well in the rugby, not so happy these days. Maybe you like similar things to me. But what brings you and me joy? What do we have joy in? What does Paul encourage us to have joy in? Now, let's look. Verse uh, 1, I'm going to include verse 1. You can see verse 1 as both sort of Uh, An introduction to this chapter, but also a conclusion to the previous chapter. So starting from verse 1. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. So just verse 1. Now look at the way Paul talks about the Philippians. Brothers and sisters. When do you call someone your brother or your sister? You might even call them bro or sis but a brother or a sister is someone that's a really close friend. You probably trust them a lot. Certainly, they're said in our Christian circles, and who knows, a little bit of harmless speculation on this too, that maybe that's where calling a good friend someone your brother or sister actually began. Regardless, though, you don't really call just anyone your brother or your sister, and mean it. It's reserved for someone special, for someone you know you are connected to. What else does Paul call them, though? Not only are they brothers and sisters, but they are people he loves. Uh, You might have heard the Greek word agape, which is this divine love, supposedly, that sacrificially seeks another person's good. This word that Paul uses, agapetoi, probably means someone that you sacrificially love. They are beloved. There are also people he longs for. He misses them. He wants to be with them. Certainly seems like the Philippians are special to Paul. Oh, but there's more. Paul calls these folks his... Joy and his crown. All right, so let me talk about this for a moment. Uh, Hopefully, throughout the um, last few talks in Philippians, the themes of joy and rejoicing have been made clear. Now, up until this passage, Paul's said this about joy and rejoicing, just a few uh, throughout the book. Uh, Chapter 1, verse 4 In all Paul's prayers for the Philippians, he's prayed with joy. Chapter 2, verse 2 he asks the Philippians to complete his joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit. Chapter 3, verse 1. He tells the Philippians to rejoice in the Lord. And now here we are. Paul tells the Philippians that they are his joy. They're also his crown probably meaning his crowning achievement. It's incredible, incredible joy that Paul has for the Philippians. What does he say to them, though? Stand firm. He wants them to stand firm in the Lord in the following ways, which we're going to get to that in a moment. But even in just this first verse, we can't really help but ask this question. Where is your joy? Where do you find joy? Now, I did a Google search uh, to see what others suggested. Uh, Regularly perform aerobic physical activity. So go for a run. Not bad. Uh, Discover something new. As humans, we're hardwired to experience joy when experiencing novelty. Interesting. Focus your efforts on what brings uh, meaning to your life. And they also said, don't focus on money. What even is joy? Uh, Now, if I'm to be honest, I've always found it a little hard, a little difficult to define it. Uh, I've had a bit of help from around the place. So, you know, in our culture, we often overlap joy with happiness. Now, happiness usually includes this idea of, Uh, contentment, satisfaction, and maybe feelings of joy. Uh, Sometimes people talk about happiness being the pleasurable emotion that comes from um, a situation, an experience, or even an object. But joy is something much more intense. It's this strong feeling of gladness. Joy is the state of mind that can be found even when you're in grief, or you're uncertain. Joy comes from our hope in God's love and promises. Joy comes from our union with Christ. It is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. And this joy, it's continuous because it's not related to our circumstances. It comes from God you ever sat there thinking about how life's going uh, with a heavy heart and you put your thoughts on Jesus? You suddenly feel joy? Maybe you're going through something tough but you rejoice, show joy that God is maturing you. Or maybe you were moved to tears when you were reminded of your sin but you also immediately remember that Jesus saved you. Joy is the answer to misery that reminds us where we would be apart from God's grace. It comes from knowing the value of what God has given us. Joy is this, it's a good feeling in us produced by the Holy Spirit as He causes us to see the beauty of Christ in the world uh, in the word and in the world now that we've got a definition let me ask you again where do you get your joy does it come from people as paul seems to clearly get joy from his brothers and sisters when things are down and out what makes you think like things will get better When you feel like it's not going so well, what is the source of that gladness? Now, keep that in mind. I'll come back to this soon as well. Now, it's just after verses 2 and 3 that we see Paul encouraging his brothers and sisters to actually live this out. So I'll read verses 2 and 3. I plead with Euodia and I plead with Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you, my true companion... Help these women, since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers, whose names are in the Book of Life." Now, not actually sure why, there's some sort of drama between Euodia and Syntyche. Now, they're asked to put aside their differences and be of the same mind. Some kind of disagreement going on. No one really knows what happened. But certainly, it's important enough for Paul to write and say, hey, you know your little scuffle, put it aside, please. And he even asks for help from others in verse 3. You ever had disagreements with other Christians? Uh, to be honest, I have, and this is a challenge to me too. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to get into it too much, but... Um, A while ago, I told someone something uh, in confidence, and they spoke about it to others. Now, for me, my trust was broken, and after that, I found it really hard to say much to them again. And I'm sure I've done many similar things to others as well. Now, this was years ago, but certainly I feel like this is a challenge for me. Honestly, uh, that's as far as it went for me, thankfully. Although sometimes things get bad what if it got so bad it had to be like what we see in verse three yes and i ask you my true companion help these women since they've contended at my side in the cause of the gospel paul says hey you reading this letter talk to them and get them to stop arguing What if a disagreement at church got so bad that you needed third-party intervention? At this point, I think it would be hard to see the other person as someone who brings you joy. It's true that sometimes people can be really difficult to get along with. We Christians, we're not immune to that. We can be difficult to get along with for other Christians too we might not bring joy to other Christians. Now, whenever I think about uh, Paul encouraging us to have joy in other Christians, I think my default is to think about uh, certain people I've grown a lot, um, I've seen grow a lot in their own faith. Uh, Next slide, please, Wendy. Now, Yep. Now, uh, pretty generic big group pictures, uh, but a lot of the people that encourage me are in this picture, I'm just not going to be too specific. Now, some of them are doing apprenticeships or they've begun serving at church. There are a good number of people here in this photo who bring me incredible joy. Just looking at this photo, some have gone on to serve in various ministry roles. I know that sometimes. I get discouraged by things in life or at church, at work. And it's when I think about certain people that I share in God's grace with that often bring me a lot of joy to continue on. But then there are also some folks who um, I've seen who aren't doing ministry, who aren't serving, but they're still incredible encouragements to me they still bring me joy. Because no matter how hard things get, they still continue to trust in God as well. Uh, One younger fellow that's always been a huge encouragement, um, I'm going to call him Mark. Uh, Mark, he's young, but he's gone through quite a lot, and he still trusts God. Uh, A number of years ago, Mark was diagnosed with a brain tumor. Um, Pretty frightening, especially because he was only in high school at the time. Now, thankfully, God was very kind. Uh, The surgeons were also very skilled, and Mark made a full recovery. Now life, though, it's not always a cakewalk. And I remember there was another year where Mark uh, got into a car accident. Now all of us are driving to our youth and uni uh, camp, and Mark, uh, he's the driver and accidentally rear-ends our friend's car in front of him. Now, all of us at the campsite, we hear about the incident, and thank God no one was hurt. But so many of us went up to Mark when he arrived. He was the driver and probably the one most likely to have been scared or in danger. We all asked, you're not shaken up by what happened? Never gonna forget this answer. Yeah, I guess, but you know, when you've had a brain tumor and God saved you from that, this just doesn't shake you up as much anymore. That's the kind of thing I mean. These are the people who can just bring such great joy to you. There are probably other kinds of folks that you could think of too. The ones that remind you that you are also a partaker of God's grace. Those that give you joy to be a Christian, the people you share in God's promises and love with. Uh, next slide, thanks. Now, I found, I found it rather interesting that Paul gave instruction uh, to have Euodia and Syntyche to be in the same mind in the Lord, and that's kind of all he said. Now, obviously, Paul thought it was important for them to agree with each other. Otherwise, he wouldn't have said, stand firm in the Lord this way, dear friends. This way, as in stand firm by doing the following. Uh, Bickering about whatever Euodia and Syntyche were is not a way to show unity. And it's a surefire way to not show joy at all. We can have joy, feelings of great gladness despite difficulty or terrible circumstances because of grace. And grace suggests that we are not deserving of God's favor. but We have it anyway. All of us, in some way or form, we have rejected God. And yet he still rescued us through Jesus. I think... When we remember just how sinful we are, and just how gracious God is, we're reminded of the depth of grace that we all experience. And we can remember that others share in the experience of grace. And that leads to unity. Now, I've said quite a bit here, but it's that we can have joy because of grace, and grace. Leads to unity. Earlier, I asked, where do we find our joy? Do we find joy in other Christians like Paul really wants us to? That could look like seeing them grow up and trust in the Lord. Could be that you've seen how much they've grown in their serving of others. But then there's also the other side of the coin to unity, which is do we make unity hard? Now, I'm not encouraging people to be best mates here. Now, Peter and Paul, they disagreed on something, but they were still united in Jesus. I'm encouraging others to be the same, to be united in Jesus. So we might make unity really difficult when we come to church for very different reasons to the overall church mission. That might mean going to church only for social reasons. Or do you maybe put on your Christian mask on Sundays and leave it off every other day? These are all things which make unity fairly difficult. It's seeing that there's a different buy-in for church for people. And that means it can also really stifle the joy of others too. When they see that Christians don't go to church for the sake of becoming more like Christ, we can make unity difficult that way. And it's not like unity needs such a close and deep relationship either. Now, to not beat around the bush here, I most likely come from a very different walk of life to most of you. I've got different hobbies, uh, different concerns, different types of friends to many of you. But seeing many of you here time and time again, faithfully living for the Lord, that brings me great joy. And I know that through grace, we're all united. I may still be merely, roughly an acquaintance to all of you, but we can be united and have joy in Jesus. I might not know all of you all that well as best mates, but you're still my brothers and sisters. (laughs) Going on to the second half of the chapter, we'll go from verse 4. whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or experienced or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. Rejoice in the Lord always. Rejoice. Paul gives this list of instructions for Christians and how they ought to live. Make your gentleness obvious. God is near. Don't be anxious about anything, but bring your requests to God by praying with thanksgiving in every situation. And the last two verses, Paul gives great instruction here on living as followers of Jesus. Jesus. Think about whatever is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, and praiseworthy. Sounds easy enough, right? Well, not exactly. Now, let's clear up a bit of what Paul means. Just a few of these words that I feel uh, needed a bit of clearing up. Now, what's the difference between what's true and what's right? Uh, Paul probably means morally right. Uh, What's noble is something that's honourable, something dignified. To be pure is to be free from ceremonial defilement. It means to be holy, sacred. Whatever is lovely is to be uh, caring towards something. To be admirable is something that is well spoken of, well regarded. Friends, we're told to have joy in the Lord by filling our minds with these things that will encourage serving others and worship to God. And also, verse 9 live out examples of Christians who trust in God and His Word. You see, Paul encourages people to live this way as a callback to uh, chapter 1, verse 27. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. That whole section, Paul has encouraged readers to live a life worthy of the gospel. And in our chapter today, we see just what that looks like as we are given an example from Paul. And so, all we need to do is trust God by praying to Him all the time, by focusing on what is good and true, and by filling our minds, that pushes us to serve others and worship God. Not so easy, but remember verse five, the Lord is near. He'll return soon and he is close to his people. It's that kind of confidence and trust in God that can help us to put away anxiety and pray about everything. That means then that the word Paul uses, peace of God, that's mentioned in verse 7, it's not this subjective experience, but it's actually the means by which our hearts and our minds are guarded. It's the right relationship with Him that comes through the Lord Jesus. It's grace, it's His salvation, which is difficult for us to comprehend, that will guard our hearts and minds. Paul wants us to rejoice in God, to trust in God. It's often the lives of other Christians around us that give us uh, such uh, great trust and joy. Uh, next slide, please. Thanks, Mindy. Uh, we learn from others how to faithfully serve, how to submit to church leadership, how to devote our time to God and much more. And certainly we see the joy others have in God. We also see the immense trust that they have. And like Paul's words here in this later section, we get given great examples to live out and follow. Now, one great example I think we have uh, in the Christian life is from uh, this man, Jonathan Edwards. Not merely just his entire life, but his last words, or last recorded words anyway. What happened was, um, during his time, smallpox was spreading New England, and Edward's, he was very pro-vaccination. Unfortunately, he got infected with smallpox, and he even struggled to swallow the medicine that he needed to recover. After being extremely weak for weeks, uh, near starvation, he developed a really strong fever and unfortunately died. Here's what he said in his last words to his daughter Lucy. Dear Lucy, it seems to me to be the will of God that I must shortly leave you. Therefore give my kindest love to my dear wife and tell her that the uncommon union which has so long subsisted between us has been of such a nature as I trust is spiritual and therefore will continue forever. And I hope she will be supported under so great a trial and submit cheerfully to the will of God. And as to my children, you are now left, uh, you are now to be left fatherless, which I hope will be an inducement to you all to seek a father who will never fail you. Edwards really trusted God and willingly willingly accepted that he would be with the father soon. After uh, his words to Lucy. He wished his wife well, during no doubt such a difficult time for the entire family. And to this day, many, many, many people still look to Edwards, not only for his uh, sermons or theological works, but his living and devotion as a Christian. It's people like this that Paul encourages us to look to as examples and imitate earlier I pointed out that it's uh, because of grace we can be joyful even in grief or uncertainty it's that joy comes from our hope in God's uh, God's love and promises we might have concerns but we can give them to God in trust because of the Lord Jesus uh, next slide please next It's through the many difficulties and trials of life that we can learn to have God's peace sustain us as we walk through this tough life. We can have joy because we trust in the Lord. Now, as I say this, I'm really trying to preach this to myself as well. But doesn't the Lord give us opportunities to learn contentment? When we're anxious about anything, don't we have a loving Father who's promised to listen to us? As the world floods us with information of how we ought to live, how can we seek to keep God's Word at the forefront of our life? And much like the earlier section, where we might make it hard for others to have joy in us, We're often not our own best friends, are we? What do we choose to cling to rather than pray through? Why? How can we get better at being more concerned with eternity? Life may not go well for us, but that's where joy shines through. For you, you may be thinking... My job might be getting rough right now, but thank you, Lord, for choosing me to be one of your children. You may be struggling financially, but you might be relieved that you have eternal treasure in heaven. Brothers and sisters, as Christians, we're encouraged to find joy in other Christians and in our Lord God. Remembering that joy is this feeling of intense happiness that can only be found in God. This isn't the easiest thing to do at times. Life might be really difficult, but we need not become pessimistic. We can still have great joy. We can have great joy because of the grace that God has shown us in Jesus' rescue of us as his children. And as we're reminded of this by Paul, he encourages us to have joy in our fellow believers and in our Lord God. And because of the grace we're shown, we're led to ask whether we get our joy in other Christians or God at all. Paul, after all, thought it was important enough to encourage others To have that kind of joy, to have joy be that source. And isn't that so important in this life? Because God-given joy is everlasting joy. In our lives, we may have pain, but in our relationship with Jesus, we have joy. I'd like to finish up with a very encouraging and challenging quote from one of my favorite pastors uh, that I've learned a lot from, Dr. R.C. Sproul. And after that, I'll uh, be ending in prayer. Even if the budget is never balanced, even if the stock market crashes, even if food prices skyrocket, even if my child never recovers from her illness, even if I lose my job, and even if we lose our home, yet I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. Let me pray. Dearest Father, you've given your son Jesus, even though we deserve nothing of the sort. You rescued us from death when we deserve to stay dead. You are a God of grace and love. You are worthy of our worship. But Father, we often do ourselves no favors by not trusting you and not loving others. We are not deserving of your love and we decide the same for others too. But thank you that we can call you Father, that we have church families and friends, that you give us all these good things. Thank you for those that have gone before us, giving us godly examples to strive towards In our loving of others and our worship of you help us to put ourselves our hearts desires aside and to seek first the good of others and trust in you we pray this in your son's name amen